Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series held on July 25, 2018, discussing state and local tax compliance considerations in a post-tax reform world. The panelists for the webcast were Eric Burkheiser, a PwC tax partner and our income franchise tax leader, Tim Lapatina, a PwC tax partner specializing in tax reporting and strategy, Sarah Massimino, a PwC tax partner focusing on state and local tax issues, and Kim Kruger, a PwC tax director also focusing on tax and Kim Kruger, a PwC tax director also focusing on state and local tax issues. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists providing a general overview of the new federal repatriation toll charge, how the states conform to the Internal Revenue Code and the toll charge, and various state responses. Have a listen. So with that, I will turn it over to Tim for a high-level overview of the federal. Thanks, Eric. So while the focus of this webcast is on the states, we should start with a summary of some of the significant provisions of the 2017 Tax Act, namely movement from a worldwide tax system to a territorial territorial system uh, with a one-time transition tax payable over an eight-year period. Uh, corporate rate reduction from 35% to 21%. Other provisions such as repeal of the Section 199 deduction, limitations on interest expense, limitations on NOL, including no carryback, and full expensing of certain eligible property. And just yesterday, we saw House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Brady just released Tax Reform 2.0 that is really focused on making the individual cuts permanent, uh, as well as reform related to uh, small businesses, education, healthcare, and retirement. So as we know, Section 965 provides for a transition tax uh, through a one-time inclusion under Subpart F and a corresponding deduction. Effective for the 2017 tax year, the transition tax deems otherwise deferred uh, foreign earnings and profits of CFCs uh, includable in the federal tax base. So similar to guilty, this inclusion will automatically uh, expand the state tax base, uh, notwithstanding a state-specific exclusion of income received from CFCs or a DRD for states that treat this this type of income as such. Uh, while, this, while this transition tax is generally expected to ins- increase state taxes, for those states that choose to exclude this income, taxpayers may still benefit from the transition tax because the state tax base will still otherwise include the Section 965 deduction. Thus, some states may need to include or may need to enact a new modification uh, to avoid this un- un- unexpected loss. Okay, so now... What's new for this year, for 2017, is the transition tax statement, okay? So how are amounts reported under Section 965? Uh, So 965A amounts and 965C deductions are reported on the transition tax statement, line one. Any deemed foreign paid taxes and foreign taxes disallowed are also reported on the transition tax statement, lines 4A and 4B. Reporting of the net income tax liability is reported on page 3, Schedule J, Part 1, Line 11, and amounts to be paid in installments right over that eight-year period 
uh, according to, to the Section 965H election, are to be reported on page 3, Schedule J, Line 2, or Part 2, Line 19D. Okay? Good. Thanks, Tim. And I think that's really important because it tees up um, really, you know, how does it flow through from a federal return onto the state returns, which again is the purpose for this webcast. And so having that understanding that if you went back six months ago, you know, January, February, when the, you know, we were all grappling with, well, how are the, how is this going to happen on the federal tax return? Is it going to land on, you know, line 29 and where is it going to, going to go on schedule C and make its way in? How's the deduction going to work and such? Uh, they, they kind of pulled the rug out and probably created more complexity, quite frankly, by putting it on this transition tax statement. So completely separate from and divorced from page one, two of the, of the federal income tax return, which again, creates some unique challenges as it relates to the state tax compliance considerations. So that's a great, a great overview there. In terms of the next probably main point we wanted to make before we get into the details is making sure that, that uh, everybody understands um, that the states, um, you know, how they conform to the Internal Revenue Code. And, you know, listed on this slide, there's a, a number of, of items rolling conformity in terms of how states adopt the code. They're sort of automatically conforming. Annual conformity where the state legislatures come in at a certain point within a year, and they do that on an annual basis and conform to the code. Uh, there's other states that have a fixed date conformity. They may be stuck at some point in time. There's a number of states that are like that as well. And then we always in the state tax world have to have another or they don't adopt the code and they have to make it even more challenging. Uh, here's a chart and I know the transition statement chart and this one is probably hard to see, uh, but it, it does give you an overview of those different elements in terms of how the states have addressed conformity. Uh, I'll leave this up here for a second, but I think this one, I actually had this one put in because it does give you a much easier sense visually of the states that have conformed in one way, shape, or form. These states have conformed um, to the uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Uh, and so there's 34-ish of them, 34 of them that, that conform in, uh, in, a, in certain respects. And I think the important point to know here too is like, there's a number of states that just don't conform. Um, and so what does that mean? What it means is, uh, the, the, the toll charge doesn't exist in those non-conforming states. Um, so these are the states that we're really dealing with for the 17 compliance year uh, because those other states that don't conform won't have a toll charge said differently. Uh, so Kim, I know you've been you know, instrumentally involved on our national team in terms of tracking the state developments. In the wake of federal tax reform, what are some of the trends that you're seeing emerge from these responses from the states? Sure, Eric. So to date, 11 states thus far have enacted some sort of legislation specifically addressing the toll charge. We should expect, right, a slowdown in terms of the responses that we're seeing for the remainder of 2018, given that most state legislative sessions have closed. There are another 12 states that have issued some form of administrative guidance specifically regarding the toll charge in terms of how it should be treated. So what this means is of the 33 states that do conform to some extent to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, 14 states have yet to issue any form of guidance, whether it be statutory or administrative. 
In terms of the actual responses that we're seeing, the substance of the responses, one thing is clear is that there are still some areas of uncertainty and the responses are not complete. So the first and probably foremost question is whether the toll charge is part of state taxable income. Most of the state conformity statutes refer specifically to federal taxable income. However, as a practical matter, many states in, in their forms or through their return instructions refer to either line 28 or line 30 explicitly. And so a couple of states have issued administrative guidance, Florida and Tennessee, indicating that because the toll charge is reported on this separate transition tax statement and ultimately doesn't flow to line 28 or line 30, that it's not part of the state taxable income computation. Other states have, of course, uh, concluded differently based on their own conformity statutes. A handful of states have made clear that given that the toll charge isn't part of federal taxable income, an addition modification is required to report that toll charge income. A second issue that's very important on the state side is the conformity to 965C. So as Tim mentioned, 965C is the deduction mechanism for federal purposes, which allows the tax rate to be 15.5% and 8%. Some states, including New York, have required an addition modification with respect to 965C. So New York reasoned that 965A as well as 965C are part of the starting point and because New York explicitly through their legislation in April um, articulated that 965A income is eligible for the other exempt income exclusion, they uh, also require an add back for 965C. Otherwise, they reasoned that taxpayers would basically get a double benefit. They'd be able to exclude the income and then also get the 965C deduction by way of their conformity to the federal statute. This is also relevant, right, 965C, in terms of how states are potentially taxing the toll charge. So very broadly, states either allow less than 100% DRD, or they may allow partial or full exclusion of the income, but require expenses attributable to that income to be added back. So in determining the DRD percentage, whether that DRD percentage applies to the gross or net 965 income, net of the 965C deduction, can impact the ultimate state tax uh, computation. With respect to the expense disallowance, Connecticut, for example, enacted uh, legislation indicating that 5% of dividends are required to be added back. And in computing that amount, 5%, it should be applied based on legis uh, sorry, administrative guidance to the gross 965 amount, so not net of the 965C deduction. And so again, whether the state tax the toll charge by way of an expense disallowance or a DRD, it is important how they treat 965C. Keep in mind, right, that 965C deduction is computed based on the federal tax rate in effect in the year of the deemed repatriation. So fiscal year taxpayers as well as calendar year taxpayers that may recognize the deemed repatriation in 2018, given their CFC year end, should keep that in mind, right? Because the uh, deduction may be less 
right in 2018 versus what it would be in 2017 with the 35% tax rate. And while that doesn't matter for federal tax purposes, to the extent a state conforms to 965C, that could uh, pose state tax consequences. In terms of the state DRD rules, roughly 10 states have enacted specific legislation clarifying that their DRD rules apply to the toll charge income. New Jersey, for example, recently in uh, early July, actually lowered its DRD percentage from 100% to 95%. New Jersey is also an example of a state where the DRD percentage varies depending upon the ownership. So it's 95% for greater than 80% and greater ownership, but that becomes 50% if less than 80% owned, and actually 0% if less than 50% owned. One area that states really haven't to a large extent addressed is factor representation. And of course, factor representation is a tenant of state tax. Um, generally speaking, dividends haven't been included in the sales factor. And certainly in terms of the responses, there's only been a couple of states that have addressed factor representation with respect to the toll charge. One being New Jersey, which essentially allocates the 5% uh, slippage based on the lower of 3.5% or the three average years apportionment percentages. And there is some guidance in terms of, from a historical perspective, we have New Hampshire, Maine, Maryland, a few other states that do have some guidance in terms of how dividends should be included. But this is an area that there is quite a bit of uncertainty. And we have to keep in mind that New Hampshire, for example, allows the factors of the dividend payer to be partially included in the taxpayer's um, apportionment percentage. But one question, for example, is if that CFC, the underlying CFC is a holding company, can you look through to the underlying CFC's apportionment, their activity, in determining the taxpayer's apportionment percentage? Also, keep in mind that this is EMP generated over 40 plus years. Does it make sense to just look at the activity in that one particular year of deemed repatriation or looking at 40 years worth of activity? And also keep in mind, right, a lot of states have moved towards single sales factor formulas, but at the time that the EMP was generated, most states um, were three factor formulas. So keeping in mind whether property or payroll could also be reflected in the factor. So, like I said, this is an area where there hasn't been a great deal of clarification, and this is something where we should expect uh, hopefully some additional guidance and potentially an issue on audit. Tim had mentioned the eight-year installment method for federal purposes. So far, there's only been two states that have allowed in some circumstances the eight-year installment method. So this means that in the states where there are tax consequences, that's going to be payable with the 2017 tax return. Preemptively, a handful of states have issued relief in terms of estimated tax payment penalties, and I would assume that maybe additional states will do the same, especially given that this legislation passed late, uh, late 2017. I think it's important on this slide to note that of the 33 states, over 20 states could potentially tax the state toll, uh, sorry, the toll charge. So as I said, they're either doing it uh, by way of less than 100% DRD or through expense disallowance or some other unique rule. I do want to mention there has been one state, Wisconsin, which expressly decoupled from 965. I do want to mention with respect to expense disallowance specifically, 
Um, there are, I was surprised by the number of states, nine states with authority to require expense disallowance. Um, we've certainly seen an uptick of activity in this area from an audit perspective. New York is an example of a state where, as I stated earlier, 965A income is wholly excluded by way of the other exempt income exclusion. But New York requires interest expenses be attributed to that other exempt income and disallowed. New York has uh, what's called an annual safe harbor election, whereby if instead of actually attributing that interest expense to the other exempt income, a tax care, taxpayer can make an election to essentially reduce that other exempt income by 40%, so essentially creating a 60% DRD. That is an annual election, and so taxpayers need to think about whether that makes sense given the magnitude of their toll charge. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the participants. Their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you.